Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I, I guess I'm excited that we're at double eights. That's uh, quite the accomplishment. Glad to have uh, Bill Sutton with me. Bill, how's it going? Going well. Crazy eights today, huh? Crazy eights. That's a way to look at it. Yeah, it's a good way to frame up the day, actually. <laughs> uh, also with us is Ben Rogers from Citrix. Ben, how's it going? It's going well, Andy. It was good to see you the other night at the at the ball game. So uh, good to be here. And man, my day's gotten a little weird start as well. But it's Monday. Yeah, I look forward to Mondays. It's just when the I guess maybe the way we were just talking about this before, when the Saturday and Sunday rolls into Monday and Monday can't get started. I think that's my biggest frustration. Yeah, is uh, getting getting the weekend finished so we can get Monday started. We well, you know that's that's probably been a lot of people's problems with this whole work from home thing is that weekend activities do tend to flow into Monday morning. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten lucky. My son's back in school and he's on site and that's uh, got my wife back to her job. And so, uh, you know, I now have Monday mornings to myself a little bit, but I still have to get kick started and get them out the door. And so, uh, you know, part of it, man. Yeah. Well, guys, we uh, let me share my screen, but we chose to do a, a blog here today based on the challenge that we see constantly in the field where people, for various reasons, decide to move to Citrix Workspace or more specifically Citrix Workspace service. Um, and then they don't know how to fully take advantage of it and get the benefits of it, at least partial benefits of it that justify the move. Uh, and that's a, this blog from earlier this month. Uh, the title of it, So Your Company Just Upgraded to Citrix Workspace, Now What?, written by Linda Rayleigh, I think is how you pronounce the last name. So, Ben, am I right to say that you guys see that, and, and Bill also, in the field where people move to workspace service, and then they use it for the same thing they were using it before, um, and just and don't quite know how to get the true value out of the, out of the platform that they just bought into? So I see two things, Andy. One, I see customers that have been longtime Citrus customers that kind of have a thought about us that we do a one-trick pony, you know, and that pony does a lot of different tricks, but they just have a very traditional Citrix delivery of desktops and apps, and they really don't know the total portfolio that we've developed over the years. And, ben, and then we've fair, got... To be fair, they've had a ton of success delivering virtual apps and delivering virtual desktops through Citrix. So they're not wrong, right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 we still do that and do it well and have done it for 30 years and, and we will continue to do that. Um, but there's, there's so much, you know, like anything in IT, there's five different ways to do the same thing. What's the best for your practice or your business? And so that's one of the things. And let me ask a question real quick on this. So if, I, if I've got on-premises CVAD and I move to Citrix Workspace service and all I do is get CVAD as a service, that, that's a win in and of itself alone before I ever start to adopt all the other stuff. Would you, would you agree? Oh, of course, especially if you've got cloud initiatives or you're doing anything where you need to spike out from that on-prem environment. And that's what a lot of the original motivations to moving to the CBAD service in the cloud is, is they've got to break beyond their four walls. And, and Bill, you see people do that movement all the time, right? On-premises to Citrix CBAD as a platform service, aka a cloud. They typically have a better experience 
going from old to new, even though they really just use the same concept within, within old and new, how much of that is because the, as a service is that much better? And how much of that is because they're getting a chance to clean up the old garbage? Uh, it's probably more about the garbage than it is about um, the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does perform, it does, it, it, because it's optimized and managed by Citrix, you know, the, the whole control plane, there's less room from error, less room for error. There's less likelihood of having SQL issues. All of those things um, benefit the customer and not having to manage all that infrastructure like they've done on-prem historically. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure we took a moment to highlight that and call that out because most of the time when I'm advising somebody to move to the service, it's because the price is right and the gains just from doing the old stuff to the new stuff is going to be there. Yep. So sorry, Ben, you were, uh, so I think we put this first part to bed is uh, the good news is you can still do the old stuff, but you do it a new way and a better way, both from an end user perspective and an administrator perspective. We got that covered, right? That is correct. And and I will stop. I know Ben's a security guy and Ben, you even talked about printing a while ago before we hit record, just the you know, the security benefits is, is enough to justify it. Uh, if your company cares about security, which everybody cares about security. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the analytics part of it, uh, if you go into that part of our service has really got a lot to offer. There's a lot more coming down the pipe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for sure, we definitely got some tight eyes on the environment these days and we're actually able to do some remediation, which is what I've been involved in here in the last week or so. But I wanted to come back to one point when you ask about what, what we're seeing from a customer base. So, you know, we were talking about our our customers that have been customers are for a long time. I had an interesting experience at the ball game the other night, Andy, I actually got around a brand new customer Mm -hmm. and they were looking at just BDI and talking to this customer, they were kind of going down this BDI rabbit hole. And as we talked to them, we started talking about, you know, it really sounds like you're needing to get apps out there and you need to concentrate on the app platform. And they had never really given it a thought because they really didn't know that that was part of the service. They came from a VMware environment. So they just did a one-off of, I've got this VDI technology, I'm replacing it with this VDI technology. And the more we talked to this customer, the more we talked about, maybe you should be front-ending all this with the Workspace app and giving the users the dashboard and allowing them to get to a desktop. But if all they really need to do is get to their applications, and the desktop is frustrating them, let's look at that direction. And that sparked a whole conversation. We're actually going to be meeting with these guys later in the month as kind of an education because that made them drop back and go, oh, there's more to Citrix than just getting out VDI desktops. And we were like, oh, absolutely. And so now we're going to talk to them about different ways they can do authentication. They're kind of in a rock and a hard place with going to Azure, but they still depend on AD. So these moves sometimes even though they're lateral, they're like for like, really when the customer starts to peel back the product offering, they start to discover that they can do a lot more stuff and sometimes more efficiently and with better user adoption than they're getting today. So I, I want to talk about that and I want to put that into context in terms of digital workspaces, but I do want to go back to the move from the old way to the new way and from a security perspective. When I asked that question, you answered it in a kind of an advanced way, talking about analytics. That's 100% true. But I also want to throw out to people possibly listening that, uh, let, me, let me ask a question to Bill. Bill, on-premises solutions hit by ransomware 
have a chance to be locked up and shut down, right? Yes, generally speaking. If I move just my same old stuff to Citrix workspace service in the cloud, is that platform now um, um, uh, not exposed to the ransomware and safe from it? it? It's exposed to the extent that your your workloads are running on-prem or in a public cloud that the customer is controlling. Your infrastructure, your setup, your delivery groups, all that stuff, all that backend stuff is generally okay. It's not going to be affected. Yeah, your control plane is safe. That's one, like, it's not if, it's when. That's a massive right. reason to move to as a service if Citrix is very tactical or strategic for your organization. So I want to hit that one real quick. So Ben, going back to your conversation, what you're saying is customer A has a digital workspace, and I'm using air quotes, that's really just VDI. Uh, and they want to go to a different maybe product uh, and they take the same digital workspace concept over to just another platform and reuse it the same way without thinking about, am I using it right to begin with? Well, that I mean, they're, they're doing what they were. So this particular customer was a VMware customer and they transitioned over to Citrix and there was reasons for that, which I won't go into. But when they got to the other side, they really just replicated what they were doing in right. VMware. And what they were expressing to us is that the desktop concept is really frustrating some of the users because the users don't need to go into a desktop. They just need access to application A. And it really kind of brought us to an opportunity where, you know, we were like, have we showed you the workspace? Have you seen our dashboard or how we can deploy just applications? And I could see the, the IT manager's eyes kind of starting to really get excited. And he was like, you know, we can do those things now. And I was like, oh yeah. You know, so again, we're taking the opportunity to go, yes, you've gotten into the service. Let's show you what all you've bought. It's just not a way of rolling out a BDI solution. There's a lot more power there that you have at your fingertips that might help you with some of these user frustration problems you're having. If you just got to get them into your ERP, well, let's just publish the ERP to them. Let's not inundate them with a desktop or make them get into a desktop and then launch the icon and do the 5,000 clicks. And, you know, then this also starts to open up the door of maybe there's some micro app technology in there, you know, man, some opportunities there where the user doesn't have to go into the app. So again, our customer, some of our customers go into it that I'm going to publish this. And we all know the company can do more than just publishing applications and desktops these days. We are really getting into how people work in the environment. Well, Ben, you said something that I actually find uh, not accurate. Um, And that's not that you're saying it wrong. It's that with the millions and millions and millions of dollars Citrix has spent talking about today's world digital workspace, which I have up on the screen is Integra one, which I logged into People are still stuck with the idea that it's a VDI desktop they're trying to get to. You're talking to a customer, in this case, about being more open-minded to what a digital workspace means. Is that because Citrix has done a bad job marketing it? Is it because partners like us have done a bad job educating them? Or is that because the users, and by users, I mean customers of your companies, aren't really looking to evolve the way they maybe should be? Whose fault is it? All right, Andy, I think you and I have had this conversation for years now. And if, if the if our listeners don't know, you and I have a, what, 10, 15-year relationship now? Mm-hmm. And about five years ago, you and I talked about what would it take to get the desktop out of the user's hands? And at that time, 
you told me that it would be a divorce and I would have mutiny on my hands if I tried to do it. I think what's making this more palatable now, well, to answer your question, it's a paradigm shift. I think society as a user is used to the desktop idea, and that's what we gravitate to because that's what we're used to doing. With the younger generation, the kids that have been raised on the iPads, they don't see the desktop the way you and I do. And I think that's where workspace really can hit their groove is giving them a dashboard they can come in, presenting work to them, getting them to the applications that they need, but really don't hinge them in these four walls and present everything in the four walls. Give them a dashboard that has, you know, man, intelligence into it and allow them to work from that dashboard. And I really think it's a paradigm shift that us as a user society are going through right now but I believe it's happening and I believe it's something that people are gravitating towards. I could be wrong, but I think it's more that than it is marketing or failure to do something. We've got to let society do it on its own. So, so, so end users will dictate eventually one way or the other. Let, let's test that theory real quick. So Bill Sutton, you can see what I have on the screen, right? I do. This is the Zintegra workspace. When I log in, I've got my home screen, I've got actions, I've got apps and I've got desktops. When you, a uh, person of a certain age, logs into this environment, which one do you do? Do you go to apps and find the app you're looking for and launch it? Or do you go to desktops and find your desktop and launch it? 90% of the time I go to the desktop and launch it. Now, is that uh, what what's driving you to act that way? Uh, probably my experience in the past. It's just mm -hmm. the, way, the way I like to work. It's the yep. way I like to work in a, in a desktop that has everything readily available. I have, I do occasionally leverage, you know, some of the apps there if I'm, if I need a quick hit. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's just because historically I'm comfortable working in a full desktop. So, so stay with me on this. If we could go to back to the future, Bill Sutton, but the, you know, the second one where you go forward in time, um, do you <laughs> think we would find Bill Sutton going to applications? Do you think it's going to work out that way? Probably. I think honestly, if if I took my if I brought my 13 year old and sat him down and said, which one of these would you go to? Yeah. He would gravitate towards the uh, the apps because yeah. that's what they're used to that. You know, they're like like uh, Ben said, the the iPad or the or the the app concept that digital natives seem to be, you know, seem to be more most comfortable with. This aligns very closely with that. Yep. All right, Ben, you you uh, you. You got your way in Back to the Future Part 2, Bill Sutton. Well, so let's add a curveball to this. Now, Bill, I assume that most of your work is done in an office at a desk with a larger monitor. How do you think you would feel if you were engineering on the road, working from an iPad? Do you think that would change your use of your technology today? Probably, yes. I think it would, yes. So I think some of it's situational too, Andy, is I think like for me, when I was at CNSA, I was at a desk every day. Now being with Citrix, I've had to become more mobile. I'm more dependent on my phone because when I'm on the road, I don't want to bust out my big laptop. So I think a lot of it, you know, your job and what you're responsible for doing and your surroundings where you're doing it are going to dictate what your gravity is. But I tell you, like, like Bill's son, my son's going to be the same way. He's going to go, dad, 
I don't want to sit here with a keyboard and a mouse. I want my iPad, man. Let me finger touch, you know, I'll type it on the screen if I got to type something, but let me drive instead of sitting in this perimeter that I can only work in. Yeah. And then I'll add one other element to that. Just the fact that uh, your son will probably be used to applications that launch really quickly. And the idea that he has to go to a desktop, it's like me going to my Samsung TV at home. The, the idea that I have to actually go into the TV, then into Netflix and into the video to watch the one I want to watch. That's such not instant gratification. My TV has gotten smart enough to know what I was last watching on Netflix. And it'll, it pops it up on the launch screen, which is great. Uh, unfortunately, I tried it last night and it still stopped me and made me verify my profile along the way. Uh, I went to grab something, drink, came back and it was stuck you know, halfway done. Uh, however, trust. Yeah. Uh, so however, um, that's what you're talking about. That's this generation coming up generation Z. They don't expect for a user login to happen every time they launch an app. That's where SAS and, you know, these portals and things and single identity and yet multi-factor or zero trust. Uh, that's where stuff's going to kick in and, and that's going to be how they want to work. Well, also, you know, going back to the article here, the author starts to go into, you know, how are we doing that? We've been talking a lot about that up front with the secure workspace access, you know, the dashboard, no VPN, all that. But she also lists some of the other things that we're doing, you know, with like Content Collab, this micro apps. I think this is going to be big. And, you know, you talk about customers driving. I've got another customer. I, I believe it's a mutual customer of ours. We won't say the name, but what they want to do is they've got a problem with their users paying attention to certain things in ServiceNow. And they're now coming to us going, can we use Workspace app to notify these users, send actions down to their uh, interface that will force them to respond? And we're looking at them like, yeah, we could do that with micro apps. And this, this, if we can bring this to the table, and I believe we'll be very successful with doing this after we get to all the details and the nuts and bolts out of the way. But what they're envisioning is that the users won't have to use ServiceNow anymore. The users will get from ServiceNow what they need through micro apps coming into workspace. And what they believe is that users will respond better to the micro app than they would if you forced them to open up the application. I think this is going to be big going forward because I think that's going to make user uh, work efficiency. You know, the more that we can drive the work to them and not make them have to do it, the easier it's going to get for the workers to, you know, get their work done and to do it for what the managers need them to do. So I like how she's broken it down, but I definitely see where our product set can go into pinpointing what the users need to do, the work they need to accomplish, and sometimes notify them of that work to prevent them from having to go into a larger monolithic application. So what you're saying is if, you're, if your starting place, your digital workspace has directive in it and directions and access to what you need to make the next step happen, that's a, that's a good way to influence the way a user spends their day. Oh, definitely. You know, like uh, like me, I envision this. I always, when I saw the micro apps first as a customer, I said to myself, what if I could do the micro app where the doctor could get the lab that he needs to look at delivered to him instead of him having to go into the medical record and hunt it down? Yeah. You know, and then could there be like, if the lab wasn't sitting there, could there be a way for him to notify the lab to say, hey, I need this. And, you know, what kind of 
back and forth communication could you do with some of these these micro apps image delivery i mean you just name it i mean there's just a lots of ways that you can empower this technology yeah and again that's driving them away from a desktop that's bringing them more into a dashboard interface and that's really where the paradigm shift starts you know give them reasons to start using the dashboard right um, so I do want to go back to content collaboration, but I will add one of the piece, like me personally, the way I do those notifications today is, is email, right? I, I kind of aggregate everything through email. That is my, that is my micro app uh, aggregator for actions and things I need to take care of most days. Um, but as we're pointing out here, that's, that's not the answer for the future. That's just the way we've done it legacy wise. And then once you get behind in your inbox, you're, 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 you're screwed. Um, I want to go back to the content collaboration piece. Uh, I often talk to people all the time about, you know, what's the most important thing in IT? Well, it's, it's the applications, but it's also the data, right? And, and that's another element of the solution that becomes valuable is the, uh, the, the content piece and workflows from that content. But most days you're not just running apps, you're using data, manip manipulating data with these applications as well. So it's important to be part of the story. Definitely. I think what is cool about the content collab application is just the transportability of data and being able to wrap a secure window around that. So if you if you have to share data, which every company does, do you have the ability to do that, you know, securely? And how do you monitor and remediate problems with that? And so I see the the content collab piece fitting really cool into that. And then also it fitting into the workspace app. And it being able to give access to other, uh, you know, box type technology. Uh, I always tell the story with Content Collab that this helped me out with CNSA because I was working with workers comps. And the workers comp, uh, you know, company, they did not want to bend. They did not care that we were using types of technology. They were like, we want you to do this. And where that came counterproductive for my users is now they're having to use three or four different things based on the clientele that they're working with. So Content Collab allowed me to basically bring those third-party box type technologies into their workspace and use from their workspace and worked out very well. So uh, yeah, man, a lot of cool stuff we can do there. I'm not a SME on Content Collab, but I have seen where it has solved some cool problems and for data transportability, it's worked out very well. I noticed you guys doing still a lot of uh, share file content collaboration, the origin of it uh, projects. I, I assume you're seeing people continue to evolve their use cases for that. We do. We certainly do. <clears throat> Most of them are just around file sharing, the traditional the traditional way of doing things. Um, and some is around e-signature integrated with file sharing. Uh, haven't really seen a whole lot on the, on the workflows capabilities, but that's, that's really key stuff. I think that's uh that's something that we probably need to do a better job trying to emphasize for customers. I don't know if you see that too, Ben. Most folks are looking at Content Collab as, as a file sharing mechanism, uh, aggregation mechanism, as opposed to leveraging all the workflows that are built in there. Yeah, the, we've got a few companies that are doing some workflows. That yeah. gets really complex really quick. So that's where I kind of have to bow out and, and say, come on, Content Collapse me, get in and right. let's uncover the details here. But yeah, there is a whole slew of operations that can happen on that. End. And, and I'm, I'm very glad that we've got this product because 
a lot of companies have trouble with sharing information. You know, the right signature feature has been great because now it's opened up that door for us. And again, it's just a really cool uh, service for us to have and be able to deliver to our customers. Yeah. Well, let, let's uh, let's deviate or not deviate, but let's jump on that topic just a little further because I'm I'm seeing a lot of people, guys, that are using OneDrive for their basic file share stuff. Ben, give me the top two to five reasons why OneDrive doesn't get it done for this arena the way it possibly needs to in terms of you know workflows or security or, or what you're seeing in the real world. So for me, OneDrive, I mean, it does good in a Microsoft world, but if you got to get outside of Microsoft world, I, I haven't seen it be that flexible. Uh, and again, we have the flexibility of being able to publish, you know, any type of, of, of drive type technology, you know, whether it be internal or, or uh, you know, internet storage or whatever, we can give that window to the users. So that's, that's one big thing. And then I think another thing that's really pushing our envelope is the ability to being able to edit the documents and keep track of them and the right signature and all those things that really bring it not only being able to share the document, but being able to manipulate and being able to secure the document is another thing that we're bringing to the table. And those are really the big features. Like I said, the workflows are very specific. You know, I need to be able to do this. So I don't, you know, usually those are customers, they've got the idea and they're looking for the product to be able to do that. And we get the win that way. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of customers that have bought it for like the sharing piece and the security piece that have gone all oh, by the way, we'll tell them the workflows are out there, but uh, you know, it's really the customer that's driving that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you historically, I think part of what you were just saying is you know, Microsoft has a lot of the stuff that you need, but they don't have everything you need. And if they are going to get what it is you need in OneDrive, they'll get it when, when it's on their timeline, not the customer timeline. Um, okay, so uh, Bill, any, any last comments on uh, how it uh, adds value to the workspace uh, trends? Uh, the, well, the workspace uh, acquisition that customers are going through during this process? Not anything we haven't already talked about now. All right, this next one is a big part of the story. It has been for a while, and this is endpoint management, where the uh, the workspace includes the ability to manage a plethora of endpoints. Um, let me just throw them out there. Obviously, um, uh, Android devices. Uh, Samsung specific devices, Google devices, which would be in the Android camp, uh, iOS devices, Windows, Mac, and Chrome. Did I miss any? Chrome OS. I think you hit them all, or the or the big ones at least. There may be a few outliers. So, are you guys seeing people that own the workspace um, product either integrating it directly to manage devices or integrating it with Intune to manage Intune managing devices and extending it? What do you guys see when somebody acquires this technology? This is probably the one that I see that's least used um, by most customers. Uh, you know, we have some that are using it, uh, that leverage it for managing. Mostly, most of it is uh, management of, uh, of mobile devices, uh, iOS and Android, like you mentioned. I haven't really run into anyone that's doing management of Windows or Chrome yet, um, but we've had some customers that have inquired about it um, that are looking at it and once they realize they own it. I think a lot of times folks buy the Workspace Premium Plus offering or whichever one includes all of this, um, and they it kind of comes back to the title of this article. They, they implement the CVAD service and maybe content collaboration, but they don't really take advantage of some of the other things that are in there until much, much later, if ever. 
Ben, have you seen uh, success stories where people are buying workspace uh, only to find out later uh, how much they needed the endpoint management or how they implemented it? Well, one thing I could say is just, and Bill, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this comment, is that there's a lot of competition in this in this segment of the market. Oh, yeah. and, oh. and so that's that's one of the things that we struggle with is nine times out of 10, you're going in with the product that's already there and it's been there and it's managing it uh, and it's doing what the customer needs it to do. So you're fighting the uphill battle of that or you're being compared to the 50,000 things that, that are, that are out there. Uh, the customers that have implemented, they, they are having some success with it. It's interesting. And I'm not, I'm not a SME on this, but uh, it's interesting when you see customers that are using Intune and I, I, I would like to open up the, the, the room for this kind of conversation. We might not have time, but like, you know, what are you guys seeing when it comes to, it working with Intune and how does it enhance the Intune model? Because that's really where I see some of our wins is the customers got Intune installed and Intune's not doing really what they need it to do. And that's why they're looking at endpoint management, but I'm not a SME on it. And I haven't had a lot of, of those sales type experiences. What do you guys see in that realm of, you know, a lot of competition, but a lot of times it's what can the, what can endpoint management do to enhance Intune? Well, let's pause for a minute. Ben and Bill, are you aware of other products on the market that actually embrace um, the way Citrix does and has for decades now the Microsoft story and just tries to extend it? I mean, I, I haven't. I'm not sure. I, I, well, I think um, if I understand the question correctly, is Citrix is the only one that I know of that's really embraced it the way they have uh, compared to other compared to other competitors in this space in particular. Yeah. Yeah, that, to no. best of my knowledge, that's true too. But I don't know that for a fact. See, now we're having a today conversation where I really see this product getting key is in the future. Uh, going back to what we were talking about, you know, we're going through this big paradigm shift to how people's using technology. Eventually, the technology is going to go down to what you're holding in your hand, and that will be docked and displayed with larger screens. And, and we've talked about this in the past where, you know, I think the last podcast we did, we talked about starting sessions on your phone and being able to sling those sessions out. As we approach more of that environment where it's truly mobile and you no longer have, you know, PCs and laptops that are rolling around, you just have these devices in your hand, endpoint management is going to be key because you're not going to have four walls. You're going to have to have some way of ensuring the security of the endpoint to let the person have access to the data center. And so, you know, I really look at this as, you know, we're having the conversation today, but what I think is really going to be positioned is the future where it goes to all mobility. And that's one of the problems that we see is a lot of these endpoint management um, markets are for mobility, you know, the cell phones, the tablets. We've got to have something that merges it all together. And our product can do that, but I feel like the market's not quite there yet. They go, here's a security platform for our mobile devices. And here's a security platform for our laptops and our PCs. And I see as laptops and PCs fade, that will put more 
you know, concentration on what are we doing from a mobile platform. And I think that's where the product's really going to shine. Could be wrong, but that is my my uh, my prediction in my crystal ball that I've got in my basement here. Yeah, I, I don't see an end to mobile devices. They're just going to become more and more advanced. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, you see like the new Samsung device that folds out into like a, a from a phone to a tablet. Um, the dockability of them. I mean, technically, I'm using a tablet right now. It's a Microsoft tablet. I'm using a tablet all day, every day. Uh, I just dock it into various form factors. Now, Andy, at the ball game, I did see one of those new fold-out tablet Samsung devices. My first thought was, when I drop this, ooh, well, not going to be good. Got my iPhone here. If I take this big, bulky, battery, rubberized case off of it, I it feels like I'm just handling a slab of glass, which basically I am. Well, that with that thing, though, the way that it works is, you know, when it's folded, one of the outside walls is the glass and then you open it up and now the two inside walls are the glass. So I was looking at, you know, how are you going to protect that device? You know, I mean, are you going to buy a, a shock guard that goes all the way across that, that now when you fold it, you have a seam. I mean, there's just lots of things that as I was holding the device and looking at the gentleman that owned it, I was like, are you terrified to drop it? And he was like, yeah, I am. And so that's going to be an interesting thing because, Mobile well, has to be rugged. Let's don't get too hung up on that. Citrix is yeah. whatever you choose, you're willing to walk around with, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. That's true. You're All right, we right. got uh, I got ten minutes. Uh, the, the next section talks about okay, now the really good news, and these are things that Citrix is doing with the acquisition of the workspace service customer acquisition. Uh, first one is uh, Success Center. Uh, ben, you probably know more about all these than us. Tell us what Success Center is. Well, Success Center to me is you know. When you come into the service, we're going to give you uh, a success manager, a cloud success manager, and partner with that cloud success manager is going to be a cloud success engineer. And so these are resources to help guide you into the cloud world. I mean, a lot of our traditional customers, they buy the service, but they really, you know, as much as we try to tell them on the front end, it's going to be a lot like your traditional service, but the infrastructure is in the cloud. You still have studio. You still have director. Uh, they're going to function very similarly. It's still just the, again, I hate to say paradigm shift. It's just the, the transition from living in the on-prem world and then living in the cloud world and knowing how to get that done. The CSM and CSE are critical and crucial to that process, and they are provided in, in those services. So uh, that is what the Success Center means, man. We're going to give you a give you resources and help you guide and those resources are going to help guide you into the service and make sure you're using the service. And then after you're up and running, you know, let's say you did just do CVADs to CVADs, but as part of your license, you bought the content collab, you bought the endpoint management as part of the workplace bus license. We're going to work with you to try to get those features stood up as well and then continue points of contact to make sure you're absorbing the service. The big thing is we want you to use what you buy. We want you to consume it and we want you to get the value out of it. And we're willing to help you do that. Ben, I want to change the word you just used because this is where people screw up. I don't want you to use what you bought. I want you to use what you're entitled to. And your entitlement, correct. if you don't take advantage of it, is a waste of money. Um, that is correct. Look at it that way, especially if you're going out and buying other products to do the same things. Um, you know, you might have to because maybe there's a feature you want that's not in there, but you should at least take a hard look at it. Yeah. 
Bill, any comments on the success center piece? Well, we've we've had some interaction in the past with the with the success center. It's gone really well. So yeah, we, we're pleased to see that Citrix is committed to that, and uh, and it has been helpful to the customer and to us, quite frankly. All right, next one is uh, training. I know when this first concept came about and the different uh, iterations of workspace service uh, training and having entitlements of that uh, were something that was brought up to me really early on. Um, just kind of a no brainer, right? You're, there's so much training about out there available. It's just, uh, it's nice to know that's part of what you're entitled to. Well, for me, it, it's, you know, how much is the employer willing to invest in the employee and how good that they want the employee to be. I always wanted in my environment, the person that's running Citrix, they need to be certified because I can look at the company and go, we know the person's well-trained in the products that we own. So that's going to bring value back to the organization. And for me personally, managing these people, it's kind of a CYA that the person that I'm talking to understands the directive that they're being given. They don't have any questions in their mind. I know they understand the concepts that are being discussed with them. So again, I, I look at this as, you know, when, when, directors and CIOs talk to me about training. I just look at them and go, how good do you want your department to be? Do you want them to be able to respond and react and be able to fix problems? Or do you want them to have to get on the phone and call support and get that level of detail? And in the end, you find out that they want their employees to be sharp and, and good at what they do. And so they're willing to invest in the training to make the employees able to work in the environment. And it is a no brainer, Andy, you're absolutely right. So uh, the next uh, piece is the onboarding and adoption resources. This is part of a you know, big picture thing that Citrix works with partners like us to do uh, to make sure that if we're managing a customer, uh, it's part of what we're responsible for getting to the getting to the customer. But it's a joint venture quite often between Citrix and the partners. But there's a lot of onboarding documentation as well as onboarding uh, human resources that can be tapped into. Uh, but it's just like with my kids, right? They're in college. And if they don't go talk to the professor, it's not the professor's fault. It's on them to know it's there once we educate you uh, and then take advantage of those resources and, and get what's available to them. And you get brought yeah, no, in I, those conversations. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Andy, I mean, personally, myself, I think our documentation of our product is pretty, pretty good. You know, uh, especially when you tie this back up to the top of the success center, you know, that is a website. That's just not individuals that are helping you, but we're actually, you know, there's documents out there that lay the whole migration process down. So, uh, I mean, man, I just, you got to take advantage of it. So, uh, adopting again, how good do you need your employees? What access are you giving them? And so I think we've done a very good job of documenting and giving people roadmaps and blueprints of how to get this done. It's there, got to drive you to it. Yeah, yeah they got to use it to get the benefit of it. It's really good though. I've been shocked as an employee to go look at some things, you know, because as an employee, I don't, I've got a manager, but I don't have somebody telling me how all this stuff works. I mean, some of it's kind of hunt and peck and learn on your own, uh, uh, what they call on the job training. But what's really saved me sometimes is the detail of our, our of our documentation has gone off. Man, they've got it laid out for me right here. So get out there and look at it, man. Yeah. Uh, next topic talks about Citrix support. Uh, the ability 24-7 included with workspace services, a support contract. There are um, ways to elevate that to higher levels. Um, you know, historically, I've had pretty good success 
uh, if I'm patient working with Citrix support and getting what I need from a break fix perspective. Um, any thoughts on that, guys? It's, uh, it, yeah, I mean, we, we have, uh, to be perfectly honest, we have mixed results. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes they're not so great, but um, overall it's there for the customer. And um, sometimes we get in a bind, we'll reach out and, and you know, leverage support. I don't know. I'm not familiar with any of the other tiers. I think Ben can probably speak to that, but I know the base support, uh, it kind of is hit or miss, to be honest. I'm sure Ben's heard that. That's not news. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. Uh, this is what I will say. A lot of it starts with case creation. Uh, if you're a user out there, I would be as detailed in your case creation because that's going to be case routing. So a lot of times when people get me involved and they're upset at the length of time it's taken to you know right. get an engineer to respond. When I go look at the case and I look at the verbiage they have in, I go, man, you, you haven't given us a lot of detail to route. And then they're spewing on me the detail, and then that gives me the leverage I need to go find the right person. But I, I see, you know, is, is Citrix support perfect? No. Yeah. Are there any support mechanisms out there perfect? No. No. But I think I think sometimes a, a lot of the problems could be of how did the case get created and how was it handled? Now, for the listeners out there to go, yeah, I've done everything right. What I would ask of you is how many times did you respond to the email when the support engineer sent it to you? Or did you get busy and had another fire going on and you just ignored it? That's another part of contention is when you get the case started, but you don't have the time to see the case through. It's not going to get paid attention to if we've sent two emails to you. And now you're expecting us to jump through hoops when you're ready to respond to the third one. So not you know, I'm in defense of the customer and always will be, but sitting on this side of the fence, I have seen times where you have to look at the customer and go, ah, you didn't follow the right procedure here. You know, you, you got the case started with a half wit case note. And then when we were tried to return emails and get you to respond, you did nothing. So what do you want? Right. Yeah. So two I kind of see that. Yeah, exactly. A two way street. Now, as far as the elevated, uh, the biggest thing I can say is the priority support, which I do see, you know, we have some customers that go, I'm never going to go to cloud. I'm always going to keep this thing on prem. You can do whatever you want with your product solution and your licensing and your subscription you want. But in the end, I'm going to keep it on prem. Uh, and that's where we see priority support being a good fit for those customers, because if something happened, they would need to immediately respond to the environment, especially in healthcare. And so what priority support does is that gets you where when you make the phone call, you're talking to an engineer that can probably handle 75% of the issues, but if not, they very quickly have a deep technical desk they can get. And so uh, you're going to get to a qualified engineer right off the bat and you're going to be routed to an expert, you know, that next second hop. It didn't, calling in support, creating the ticket, waiting it for to go an engineer. Is this the engineer that has a skill set for you to work with? You know, it could be to your point, Bill and Andy, it might take a couple of tries in the standard support to get to the right engineer that understands your concept. Priority right. support, you're going right to the source. You're going to get to the SME very quickly. There's a price for that. It's not free. Uh, and it's not, it's not, you know, terribly expensive, but it's not cheap either. But it is a it is a support plan that is meant to get you to the resources as fast as you can get to them. Right. 
I hope I'm being fair to that, but that's just what I've seen in, in my sales and dealing with this sometimes. Listeners, please respond back to us. We always <laughs> want you to come back with your 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 comments. You know, that's how we get better. But that's just what I've seen in the two years that I've sat in this chair. I will add that Zintegra has its own support packages that include the ability to work with Citrix and the customer. And right. I honestly find that to be the best way to move to get Citrix support with in conjunction with Citrix. Now I'll throw this bone out there to you, Andy. Uh, when I was, you know, at CNSA, we had regular support with Citrix, but we also had your manage, uh, your managed contracts. I don't know exactly what we called what you called them then, but uh, I found a lot of value having the managed contract with you guys because one, it got an engineer on my site at least monthly, if not more, to just do health checks. You know, um, and the engineers you always sent man, were, were top notch. Um, you know, Chris and Harvey, man, I always loved it when they came in. Cause I knew after they were there, they were going to uncover things we needed to do to make the environment better. So, you know, I, I do invite your customers to take a look at those contracts because they do make a difference and they add a lot of value more than the dollar amount you charge for them. I can guarantee you that, man. Well, and I'm, I'm talking about here actually a support contract where you pick up the phone and call somebody 24 by seven to be able to uh, get real time support. But I appreciate the, the info or the, the commercial on um, not commercial, but you know what I'm saying? I appreciate the co commenting on the, what we were able to do before L last, last topic guys is um, Citrix usage accelerator package. Um, do either one of you guys know what that is? Yeah, I know a little bit about this. This is just like pre our packages that we have come up to help people get up and running. So again, you know, if you've been a traditional customer on prem, you're a little bit nervous about going to the cloud, but you're in a situation where you really need this to work. You don't need any hiccups. We've got pre packaged, you know, by hour with different sets of results from them. So, you know, some customers go, I just need help getting the first VDA set up. You know, you get the first one set up, you make sure everything else is good, that you, the, the foundation's there, I can build the house. Get the foundation built, I can put up the walls, the windows, all that jazz. And then we've got some customers that come and go, I want turnkey end to end. I want to sell the land, build the house, just let me show up on my furniture. These are all different packages at different price points with different uh, results in, in plans that customers can go into. And it, it, I think it's part of our consulting services, but this is again, just another offering that we can give the customer to go, Hey, we realize you need help. We want you to be successful with this. Here are pre plans out with pricing and hours that will, sh will allow you to get there. Yeah. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you jumping on and covering this topic. We ran a little over, but that's fine. Um, um, I think this is one of the biggest challenges for a lot of customers over the last couple of years who've been moving to Citrix as a service, specifically the Workspace Premium Plus, and then you know, not taking advantage of all that's in there. Hopefully this has been helpful to people caught in that conundrum. Um, love to talk to anybody who's having that challenge and, and figure out, you know, what is the next step? If you're like most organizations, you have to move serially. So you can't do them all at one time uh, and you shouldn't most of the time. But uh, this group is here to help if you need us. So guys, I appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, Andy, I always appreciate you having me part of this. So anything I can do to help you, just let me know. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll do it again next week. Have a good week.